Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So I'm having one of those amazingly productive few-day spans. These don't come around often. <laughs> Wait, we should, we should stop recording. Just, 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 you just go back to working, and we'll just pick this up later. Whenever you, whenever you uh, get non-productive again, yeah, I'll come, come back to the podcast when I'm lazy as heck. There you go. Uh, so I've been doing a, a quick bit of follow-up. Uh, the last episode I discussed, uh, or the one before that, whenever it was, discussed basically my decision to re-add iOS 12 support back to Overcast because I was basically getting kind of killed in the app store for not having it and and adoption of 13 seemed slower than i expected and it was kind of and i kind of decided you know what let me see what it would take to readopt ios 12 and resupport it and so i now have the results of that experiment it's not in the store yet but readopting ios 12 took me about a half of a day that's not very long no and and it was <laughs> It was, I kind of feel bad. Like, had I known it would be that easy, I probably wouldn't have dropped support for it in the first place. Sure. But it's just like the very first thing I do every summer, or at least that, that I have done, the very first thing I do is set the SDK to require the newest OS and see all the deprecations and everything, all the stuff I have to change, and then just start doing it. Just, you know, start changing all the deprecated enums to their new values and, you know, start adopting all the new APIs and delete all the code that supported the old APIs and stuff like that. And with iOS 13, there was there was a good deal of that this summer, but most of it that I actually adopted to date was trivial stuff. It was, th- you know, things like enum values that I can just change back. Like most of mine were like the type of activity spinners <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, and I had adopted the new background APIs and I had adopted the um, the theming API or the, the, you know, system dark mode API to kind of override my theme choice. But it turned out it took very little effort for me to just like... <laughs> Put all those enum, enum values back because it doesn't. It didn't matter. The old ones are still supported; they're just deprecated. And when you build with thirteen not as the requirement, you don't even get warned about it. Uh, so uh, I just put all those enum values back. That took what fifteen minutes, maybe at most, just to make sure I did everything right. And then uh, I re-added support for the old background API, which, by the way, works better than the new background API. <laughs> still, like, the old the old background me. refresh. It, <laughs> Turns out, so the old background refresh, you know, most of the time would work. The new iOS 13 background task system appears to not work at all for some time, for some people or sometimes. And I have a frequent bug in the current version where people say search doesn't work. And that's because I was doing search indexing only with background tasks because it would, it would kill my app if I did the, you know, that CPU intensive job in the background. So in my, in my dev version that I'm going to release shortly, uh, it's just doing it whenever you enter a search box like when, whenever you put the cursor in a search box it quickly indexes things right then uh if if, it, if anything needs to be indexed that hasn't been done by the background tasks that don't seem to execute sometimes anyway so <laughs> i'm kind of working around the need for anything that 13 actually did and all those new apis that i thought i would be using that are 13 and up only so things like obviously Swift UI is is the big one. There's also a whole bunch of other stuff throughout the frameworks, especially um, there's there's combine and a new diffable data source and a new collection view layout uh, system that like for making you know standard table viewing, especially collection view stuff, 
there's a bunch of big advantages, even if you don't want to use SwiftUI. There's a bunch of big advantages to 13. So mm-hmm. there's all this new stuff in the APIs that, yeah, it would be nice to be able to use that. But the fact is I haven't used that yet. And so, uh, you know, and if I delay myself by another year, well, you know, I've gotten this far, you know, I've gotten into late January and I've still had so much more that I want to do in the app or the, or bugs I have to fix or features I want to add that don't require or even give me time for new API adoption that I figure if I've made it this long, I can probably make it at least till you know June or July and you know when I see what iOS 14 adds and then decide from there what my ongoing OS requirements might be. Uh, but until then, there you know I have enough to keep me busy without diving into the 13 APIs. So therefore, re-implementing iOS 12, it, like I, I even thought like you know now that I've kind of removed the um, the manual toggling of theming uh, of switching between dark and light mode, like I now rely on the system for that. I thought well that's going to be hard to change in, in iOS 12. And it turns out I just added one table row above the theme picker that says, like, are you currently in light mode or dark mode? And it shows only on iOS 12. And so this <laughs> it was really surprisingly easy. Um, the only big work that I had to do was in my in my current build, I, I basically re- rewrote the audio engine and, and was using an AirPlay 2 compatible engine. And that relies on bugs that were fixed in 13.1. That's a great phrase. Just before, just, just to interrupt you for a moment, that's a great phrase. <laughs> relies on bugs. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it relies. It relies on them having been fixed, sure. <laughs> um, and the, and they were fixed in thirteen point one. And so I was going to require thirteen point one for this build. And then when I re-added twelve, I thought, well, this entire audio engine has to be not used under iOS twelve. But there were other reasons why I wanted to make a second audio engine that was based on just AV audio engine that the AirPlay 2 engine was not working as well as I wanted to when it was not running on AirPlay when it was just like running on your phone speaker or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made a whole second audio engine that happens to be compatible with 12. But I was going to do that anyway before I released this. So the actual like additional work required to support iOS 12 in this in this release was about a half a day of work. It's just mostly enum values and adding one row to a table to change the theme manually yeah. <laughs> and that's about it <laughs> which I, does, I think it does make me kind of think cause i'm pretty sure we'd recorded an episode in the summer where we were talking about the benefits and drawbacks of you know being aggressive with um requiring ios 13 and whether it yep. was a good idea this year and i think we both ended up that it was like a, this was a good year to do it and we should probably be like <laughs> we sure did <laughs> so so maybe you shouldn't be listening to advice uh, from the under the radar <laughs> podcast um maybe we should add some kind of disclaimer that turns out that we are off, we, we, we are potentially sometimes horrifically wrong and <laughs> that <laughs> it's like a half a day of work was all you needed to do to continue supporting 12 and you know all the requisite benefits that come with that I think the main differences here, which we talked about when you know two episodes ago, whenever that was, yeah. when I mentioned re-adding this, the main the main differences that I that we didn't foresee, I didn't foresee at least, is that I really thought I'd be jumping into the new APIs way more than I have, and I also really thought that iOS 13 adoption would be way faster than it has been. So the combination of both of those factors, um, I, I think, not going the way that I predicted, uh, is why. This, you know, had to require a change of mind. Like I had yeah. to change my mind on this. I had to look back and say, well, normally I do this, but yeah, it turns out this time that was the wrong move, and f- I'm fixing it now. And you know, and I don't know how long I'll keep 12 compatibility, but it's still important to me today to do it. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I think the thing that's crazy for that, like I've been 
just keeping an eye on my stats. And like I'm my adoption has essentially leveled off now at about 80 percent adoption. And like it has not moved like at all in the last month or two, which is making me think that that's probably where it's going to be for a pretty long time. Like essentially until the incompatible devices age out and get replaced, um, you know, so the 5S, the 6 and the 6 Plus. Um, or just but that takes know, a while on iPhones. Like, yeah, like that's going to take a long time. It's like, or it's like somehow the, the, you know there's a new influx of devices that are running the newer OS. Like, so, like one of those two. Like either the old ones are going to have to go away, or they're going to kind of have to get eclipsed by the new the new ones. But like, it's been very stable there, which makes me think even next year, like next we may be in a kind of an an awkward position where twelve may just kind of be the one that lingers around for a while. Um, and it, you know, that's just like, that's just where we're going to be living for a while. That 12 is be required. And then if we want to adopt any of the new stuff, we're going to just have to, you know, do it in the kind of mutual, like having the, you know, the app behave differently between two different systems, which is complicated potentially and you know, not necessarily great in a lot of ways, but, or there might be features that are only available on the new OSs or like, there's lots of ways we think problems I'm sure our future selves are going to have to deal with, but it definitely seems like 12 is going to be around going to be part of part of the conversation for a long time in a way that like you know 11 just disappeared when um 12 came out oh no is ios 12 r i e 6 it might be <laughs> i think it might be <laughs> yeah yeah because like 20 percent of people still not running it is a lot that's yeah. that's a lot of people <laughs> and that's a lot of the market and and you know as i keep i, I literally, i'm literally hearing people every day saying like i searched for overcast in the app store and it's not there what happened yeah. and the the answer is always that like they're running ios 12 and and that it's it literally just doesn't even your app doesn't even show up if it requires a higher os and that's that's terrible yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah so we got to work on that but anyway um so i've been uh, doing a whole lot of that and well a very, very little bit of that and a whole lot of other work on <laughs> on this new build in terms of uh, before we move on to what the other work is though i'm curious do you, when you're going through and doing that kind of like re-adding it how do you do you how do you make sure that you're not like re-breaking it in the process? Like, are you going through the commit that you did to like drop support and kind of doing the you know like having it up in one window and Xcode in the other and kind of just like doing the opposites? Because like I would be worried that I would like forget something and it you know there's some lingering bug or problem that um, I've you know sort of I'm reintroducing that. I will only hit if I, you know, happen to go through a very particular code path and then it all like falls apart. No, I, um, I mean, really the advantage here was that I really adopted iOS 13 APIs very little. And so it, so I didn't like, you know, the, the thing that actually dropped support for it, like the commit back then was part of a larger series of commits. And there's been a lot of changes since then. So I didn't think it would be wise to try to go back to that and try to, you know, back it out somehow. Sure. Um, so instead I just set the deployment target back and uh ran on an ios 12 device and you know if you set the, the, the deployment target back and hit build uh you're going to get a ton of errors from all the new you know enum values and stuff sure. um, and then i basically went and uh for the for the very few apis that i knew i adopted that are 13 only mainly the back mainly the background task api um i just did you know if available checks around that and made a separate code path for the old background refresh api to work again and then I just ran it on an iOS 12 device and I played around with it for a while. I tested a bunch of different you know, parts of the app and because and, I still have an iOS 12, um, I actually ran it on an iPhone 5S, which can't run 13. Um, so ran it on that and I couldn't find any problems. And 
and then I release it to beta, and it's been in beta with 12 compatibility, and I do have a lot of test flight people on iOS 12. Um, so I, I've, it's been in beta testing now for a couple of weeks, and so far there's been no problems uh, introduced, or no problems identified with iOS 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, because I really, I was, I had just barely adopted those new APIs. And so it, it really didn't take very long at all to, to uh, re-add the compatibility, which is a little shameful, like a, a little unfortunate, you know, definitely going all these months, you know, between iOS 13's release or like, I guess the week after, whenever I did my update, between yeah. then and now, basically losing 20% of potential new customers or more, uh, that, that's going to cost me long term, of course. Like that's 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 the penalty from for my error here. Sure. Um, and certainly, the longer we go without fixing it, the less it needs to be fixed. But I do think that, as you mentioned, I think I think we're kind of hit like a, a a floor for how low iOS twelve is going to go reasonably for a while. Like it'll continue to trickle down slowly, but it's not going to be a rapid change. So I do still think, even though I've lost, uh, you know, whatever it's been four or five months of those potential sales it is still worth releasing this now and regaining the ability to have those sales going forward. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, really, it's just like whatever the mistake was, like once you've identified it, you just fix it and like you can't worry about what like you potentially could have lost or whatever. Like there's, there's no productivity in that. It's just um, like you found that you identified a mistake and you fixed it and that's really all we can do. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, that's, <laughs> you can, there's, there's not a lot of value in like regretting your old mistakes like just do better going forward yeah anyway we are brought to you this week by linode whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's entire infrastructure linode has the pricing support and scale that you need to take your project to the next level they have now 11 data centers worldwide they're always adding more this includes their newest data center in sydney australia and they have enterprise grade hardware a new S3 compatible storage option and their next generation network. So they deliver the performance you expect and at a surprisingly good price. You can get started today. Plans start at just $5 a month and you can get started today with a $20 credit using our coupon code and you can get all sorts of great stuff with this. They have, of course, those $5 a month plans that gives you one gig of RAM currently and over time, as technology gets better, they always upgrade their plans. So right now, that's a gig of RAM. In the future, that may buy you even more and they, they, they give you free upgrade paths. They also have all sorts of plans above and beyond that depending on what your needs are, including specialties like dedicated CPU plans with cores reserved just for you, GPU compute plans suitable for AI, ML, and video processing, um, one-click installs of popular apps including WordPress, the LAMP stack, and even Minecraft servers, and so much more. So go to linode.com slash radar and use promo code radar2020 when creating a new Linode account. That'll get you $20 credit towards your next project. And they're hiring right now. So if that, if that interests you, go to linode.com slash careers. So once again, linode.com slash radar to sign up. Use that promo code radar2020 for a $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So all this time that I've been avoiding the new APIs and doing all sorts of other work, I've been I've been taking advantage of my current like rush of productivity to cram in a whole bunch of like small fixes. Uh, you know, I, I fixed a weird bug this morning where upload files would fail if they had a comma in them, like a bunch of like weird little bugs and fixes that I've been doing, trying to cram into this as much as possible because I had this productivity that I saved by not spending it all making iOS 12 compatible. <laughs> um, you know, cramming in a few new features that are kind of like 
high demand, low effort features like like intro and outro skipping. Uh, so I, I crammed all this stuff in. Meanwhile, you've been adopting a whole bunch of new APIs. Yeah. <laughs> you've kind of been doing the total opposite of this. The opposite, yes. So I'm curious how, like in a study of contrast here, like how, how have you... What, do, while I've been, you know, living in the old days, what, what have you been doing? Yeah, so a bit of context is probably helpful. So I've been really enjoying just working on the Apple Watch, and that has been my primary focus. Like, I got my main sort of like my bread and butter apps updated and stable, and in general, like they they all seem to be in pretty good place right now, feature wise. And then I dived, decided I wanted to kind of. I wanted my next project to be something a little bit ambitious, a little bit kind of like see how far I could push the Apple Watch. Um, and so that's what I've been doing, essentially. And it's a bit, it's a bit early to get into the exact details of what that's going to look like. But I mean, functionally, it's I'm going, I'm trying to see how far you can push the complication system, the watch apps, um, all kinds of you know fitness and workout modes. Like I'm trying to see just how crazy I can get there. Um, and especially taking advantage of as much of the new stuff that we can do on the watch with swift ui so graphically and visually there's lots of things that we can um now do and it's been a it's been an interesting process like it is parts of it are just amazing and it's been really fun to be able to like make things like i've like i played around a little bit with making games on the apple watch using swift ui and it's surprisingly just kind of like works great and the animations are you know like are nice and smooth and like when Swift UI works, it is just uh, an absolute delight, and the code kind of feels like magic. Like the the way combine and the way the data flow works. Like I don't, re- I, I both love it and I absolutely hate it. Um, like I, I, which is probably in many ways reflective of sort of like the way that I come from with like view layout on UI Kit, where I do all my layout with. Uh, like setting explicit frames like i very much like that kind of layout system and i never liked auto layout i never liked that kind of like sort of the magic you where you set it up and it just kind of like works um and swift ui's data flow system feels very similar to that in some ways where you create all you know they sort of you create these state objects and anytime they change like the changes just flow to where they need to go and everything will stay in sync and like it's when it works it's amazing but if it doesn't work or um, if it's if there's performance issues or problems with it, it can be um, it can be very frustrating. But it's very I think the biggest thing that has been interesting working this this you know the last maybe like three or four weeks um, on this is this the fact the the thing the most difficult part of working on new APIs that are not particularly largely adopted. Um, I don't get the impression that there's huge amounts of um, you know Swift. There, there's lots of Swift UI academic. Um, use it seems um but like in terms of i've seen there's lots of really good resources and i think you know i think like sort of documentation things with lots of like toy projects and things but actually in use with lots of complications you start running into all kinds of weird edge cases and like the thing that is most challenging is when you you find yourself in this place where it's like do i not understand how this should work and my code is broken or is the like is is this new API is this new capability just not working, and the difference between those two things is often like in, in tra- like there, there's no there's no way to specifically determine that like am, am I doing it wrong or is it just not working and like I had a kind of hilarious one recently I think I may have mentioned this to you where I was doing a 
thing where you in Swift UI you can have your navigation hierarchy um, kind of like be based on a state. So you can say like which which of the detail views should be uh, visible at any, at any given time and the way you do this is like each row gets an identifier and you say which of the identifiers is active and i was using that and it was working great and then i added a few more rows to my table and it stopped working for half of the rows and it would work for some but not all of them and it turned out it would only work for a row that was visible on screen um, <laughs> which a was in, took forever for me to like work out because it worked fine it worked fine and then it just didn't and then it's like you're kind of playing this matching game of like why like if i try and set the value to this row then it works and i switch to the other one it just doesn't work and so like right now in my code i have this horrific workaround where i have a like a one pixel high row at the top of my at the top of my thing that includes all the other rows in it and i actually push to those rows and have them change change the detail view rather than the rows that appear on the bottom of the screen so that sort of works but like stuff like that is just so complicated to know like am i doing something wrong am i misusing this api or is it just that's it's just a bug and it just doesn't work and i mean there's plenty of things and still in watch os 6 that are just kind of buggy and like it's like you never know if it's just is it like you know sort of like is it me or is it is it you and I don't know, but it's it's definitely been fun though I will say and I think it's been I'm enjoying working on something that has a bit of ambition behind it that I feel like a lot of my projects previously um, have been like not necessarily like they've been interesting and they've been um, challenging in, in in their own ways but what I've been enjoying about this project particularly is that it's like I'm taking so many parts of the last 10 years of work I've been doing on Apple platforms and kind of combining it all together. And so it's kind of, it's this really interesting kind of like Voltron experience that it's like pulling all these parts together, all these different experiences I have, and then smooshing them all together in kind of an ambitious way. So like that part's been fun. SwiftUI and its error messages are continue to be just horrifically comical though. Apparently I do believe last I heard the net latest, like, I'm not on like the Swift developer mailing list sort of things, but I, I remember hearing on someone saying that they've the first version of the new Swift error message system is um, now like out in beta. And so I look forward to hopefully that making my life much better where, you know, the error messages maybe will actually point to the line of code that is actually the problem rather than just, you know, pointing to some random line and giving me strange messages where I think my favorite one recently was I was passing... At some point, I'm like passing a zero into as a like a frame a frame width or something, and then I make a make a make a change like ten lines down, and uh, the change had a had a bug in it. Fair enough, that was my fault. But the error message I get was ten lines up. It said the ear, the zero could not be converted to an int, and <laughs> I don't know what that I didn't know what that means. I still don't really know what what that means or or what to make of that particular error message, but that's 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 my life now yeah this is it's really like this couldn't be more different <laughs> than sure. the kind of thing i'm doing but it i i see like there are times there are like you know my my development kind of goes in in various cycles or seasons yeah. as we've talked about before and like there are times when i'm in a like exploration or expansion or new construction phase where using a whole bunch of new stuff like this is actually what I want to do and what I enjoy doing and oftentimes is the right move. Um, 
and, and right now I'm not in one of those phases. Like and right now I'm in like a you know refinement and like small fixes kind of phase as I prepare to launch this big this big update. Um, but I I totally get the appeal of that, and and there will be a time when I will join that <laughs> that that exclusive club of Swift UI users. Um, I I don't think that time is soon for me. But like you know, next time I get into a new construction phase, uh, that's probably what I'm going to want to do. Yeah, and it's. I think the thing that's tricky though is like there's part of me that sometimes is like, is this? I guess that maybe the thing that I'm trying to be very thoughtful of is: Am I using Swift UI or the related like new new technologies because they're the best tool for the problem or because they're the new tool? Because I feel like that's the biggest trap that I have to keep honest with myself about is sometimes I've, I've and like some of my things I've just like rolled back to using WatchKit in um, because WatchKit was better for whatever reason. And then a lot of times it's just because it's simpler or it's more performant. Um, like WatchKit is very straightforward and at least, or at least I know where all the rough edges are, like every single one of them I've hit, I'm sure. And so I know how to do that. And so sometimes I have to be like, look like the, like Swift UI is cool and could make this like slightly shinier. But um, I need to be thoughtful about the fact that like, if it's, it, may, it may not actually be the right tool for the job. And I think that's, I think the biggest advice I would give to anyone kind of just, I mean, to anyone when you're adopting these new things is it's making sure that you're adopting it because it's better and appropriate for the job that needs to be done and is actually going to you know, tangibly improve the application as a result versus just because it, adopting it because it's cool. Because more likely that, because like inevitably it's going to come with drawbacks and problems and bugs and issues. And so those, all those negatives have to be a sort of outweighed by the positives. Like the new stuff that in UI table view, like the diffable data source stuff, it's really cool and can do some, you know, some, some, some cool like have some gives you gives you some it gives you some great stuff for free but it also like comes with some costs and some complexities and you have to restructure you know how you're getting your data source and may have some complicated questions with memory and uh, you know how how many of the, your objects you actually have to have in memory at any one time and so like i've looked into that and i've adopted it i think in one place in my app but several other spots i'm just like i'm just going to do this the old-fashioned way um and not worry so much about you know the, the fact that i'm missing out on the new hotness and instead just like no this is like the, the, this just needs the boring solution rather than the new solution yeah i think a, a kind of a theme to my arc through ios 12 and into ios 13 now back to ios 12 compatibility it is kind of the that i i overestimated the the gains i would get by doing that and i underestimated the costs of of keeping of do, just doing new stuff or only supporting new stuff um and in in Every OS release, every year, and for different markets, those are different. Like, I, I was applying my old wisdom that I had that had always worked for me to date, which was just support the new thing, adopt everything immediately. That's better for most indies. Uh, but that wasn't better for me this time. And, and so it's important to, uh, you know, keep an open mind about that, that, you know, what you've done in the past in either direction, either supporting old stuff forever or jumping on new stuff immediately or any, anything in between, Whatever you've done in the past might not hold this time around or next time around because conditions are different. You know, OS releases are different. Hardware support is different. Like, you know, it's just, it, it changes every time. And the value of supporting only the new stuff also changes because in different years, that'll be, it, it'll be harder or easier, you know, to, to maintain backwards compatibility. Uh, the new APIs will be more or less compelling. 
and they'll be more or less specialized. Like, you know, the iOS 13 API for uh, dark mode is pretty specialized. So there's one feature in iOS 13, and if you adopt that API, it doesn't really make it any harder to support the old way of doing things. If you adopt Swift UI, then it makes it almost impossible to keep compatibility because you basically have to write your entire UI twice or somehow implement Swift UI yourself for iOS 12, which is a terrible idea. You shouldn't Don't do, do that. that. Don't do that. <laughs> and, and so, you know, every time you are faced with this choice, uh, you you should reevaluate based on the current conditions. Ask around, do some research, see if you can find good numbers on adoption, things like that, and really th- really think like, is is it the right move to adopt the new shiny thing in this case at, at the expense of compatibility? Um, and if you're building something brand new from scratch, it probably is. If you are pushing your app update uh, forward, it, it might not be. Yeah, and I think what's interesting too with what you. Is like- yeah, well, what's awkward is that you, the only way to really know the cost is to actually try it to some degree, That as much as you kind of want to estimate it. But I think there is certainly a value in doing the kind of like quick explorations to see, get a sense of things. And I think you can make, give yourself a lot more information and make better choices as a result. Like I think about how it ended up the trial was 12 compatibility was half a day or, or so. And if like, if you, <laughs> yeah. if, if, if it towards the end of the summer had just been like, huh, I wonder what it would be, what it would have, what it would take to re-add 12 support. And it'd take, you know, instead like, oh, I'll give myself half a day to work on it and see how far I can get. And if you just gotten to the end and you had it all in there, it's like, okay, maybe I'll just ship this then. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, so it's good to, I think, be thoughtful and explore in that way, but understand that in some, sometimes you are just going to have to try it and just then just be thoughtful about not getting like stuck in a hole just because you've started doesn't mean you have to finish. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.